Hey guys, it's Derek. We're back on the podcast. And this week we are sitting down with one of my great friends and the best mentor of all time, John Main. John is our first returning guest. We spoke to him way back on episode seven, I believe. And John and I are sitting down today to discuss everything that happened in the CrossFit scene, all of that chaos, talking about the current state of the fitness industry, as well as what we see and what we think some of the future trends may be moving forward. This is a long one. We're going to split it up into two episodes for you guys, but there is a lot of insight in here, a lot of really great conversation and pieces of information that you can take with you and hopefully use in your day-to-day lives as it relates to your fitness, nutrition, and your health. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 37, and we are here with John Main. John's been on the show before. He is our first repeat guest. John, how do you feel about that? I feel great, man. It's an honor, honor to be back. So, yes, first repeat guest. Happy to have you here. Uh, If you missed the first episode with John, it's way back. I think it's maybe episode six or seven. Uh, But John's a longtime friend, mentor, uh, husband, CrossFit level four trainer, and possibly the best damn coach out there, at least in my opinion. So, uh, John, real quick, uh, for anyone that didn't catch the first episode or hasn't really heard much about you, tell tell us a little bit about what you do, why you do it, who you are. Well, I've been coaching now for, gosh, it's closing in on 20 years. Um, Started working as a trainer uh, years ago back in my hometown of Washington, D.C. Found CrossFit in 2003. Started training that with a good friend of mine at the time and ended up opening an affiliate in downtown D.C., CrossFit MPH, uh, which is now owned by that same friend, uh, Melody Feldman. Uh, it's turned 11 years old uh, or turning 11 years old this month. Um, still affiliated. Jumped around a bit. Yeah, still affiliated. Still affiliated. Uh, Mel's on staff and, and uh, like me, we're CrossFitters for life. Uh, so uh, from there, jumped around a little bit, had an opportunity to work on the West Coast, uh, back at Reebok CrossFit One for a little while, uh, seminar staff on uh, or with CrossFit HQ. And now I'm in San Diego, California, uh, living here with my wife, Steph, who is uh, a coach and GM at a local CrossFit gym, um, uh, continuing to coach CrossFit, also working for some uh, functional fitness gyms down here as well. Awesome. Well, holy shit, 20 years of experience. I can't believe you've been coaching that long. Yeah, well, I guess technically it's about 18, but it's, it's you know, it's That's getting close there. Enough. Roundup for sure. sounds better. Yeah, I started. I was I was a baby back in the day when I when I started this. But uh, yeah, I tell you this this career, I couldn't have asked for anything more uh, in terms of you know being able to contribute uh, to to the communities that I've been a part of um, with, with their health and fitness and the opportunities that it's presented along the way, um, and and you know to be to to reach that milestone or be approaching that milestone is um, it's, it's hard to believe, but I couldn't be happier. Hell yeah. And now kind of segueing with that, what's life like out there right now? What's the 
fitness scene look like? I'm pretty sure you guys are going through another shutdown, right? We were talking about that before we went live here, but uh, just give everybody an idea of what it's looking like out there on the West Coast. Uh, it's chaos. It's chaos. <laughs> uh, dogs and cats living together, hot snow falling up. It's, uh, it's a scene out here. We, we just got shut down for the second time on Wednesday. Um, all indoor activity was, uh, was put on hold, including gyms. So, uh, where we were open for about a month before that with, in, in my opinion, some really excellent, uh, COVID protections from certainly every, uh, area gym that I saw, uh, in terms of zoning and cleaning procedures and, uh, you know, ingress, egress through the space that, amounted to very little and the governor came down with an order to shut down indoor activities so gyms here uh, i think are uh, are working really hard to pivot and find opportunities to work out outside so uh, the group of gyms that i work for they are fortunate enough to have a small outdoor space at one of their three locations doing some park workouts my wife's gym has a little outdoor space, um, and I think a lot of a lot of other operations are in a similar boat, just trying to stay afloat uh, mm-hmm. any way they can. No, no pun intended. I mean, you were around when I think because you were early enough in CrossFit. I wasn't quite there, but it probably feels like it did back when CrossFit was in its like infancy stages, and people were training groups in parks and doing outdoor workouts. Yeah, it's it's exactly like that. I mean, folks are, you know, bringing a, a kettlebell or a, or a dumbbell to the park, and we're just you know trying to give them uh, any fitness we can, um, and and they're into it. Honestly, uh, at least so far this week, uh, that's you know been really helpful. I think for for the gyms too. It seems like the members are um, are, are are working as hard as they can to support the gym and and get their fitness in. Um, which is, uh, you know, obviously helping us as, as trainers and gym operators and gym owners in those cases. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's for sure. It feels like the, the beginning all over again. <laughs> yeah. Just restarting hitting that restart. Maybe, uh, we'll come out on the other side of this. We'll talk about it later, but it'll be like a whole new caliber of, uh, CrossFit gyms and functional fitness gyms. I think, I think that's, that could be possible. And I, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, the coaches and the and the gyms that are um, the the most experienced, the best positions to be able to pivot uh, as we're being forced to do now, they are the ones who will survive. I mean, hopefully we we all will. Hopefully the industry, um, you you know, won't get uh, hit too hard by this because the more gyms and trainers that are able to stay open and employed, the better it is for everyone. Uh, But that obviously remains to be seen. Uh, you know, when this all shakes out. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably people who are on the other side of that argument too, saying, Hey, the more that close down, the more clients there are for us, more, you know, opportunity <laughs> there is. And, but those are the, yeah. probably the folks who aren't going to make it out on the other side. Exactly. Those are the people who are desperate to begin with. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, are, are, if, if your business model is predicated upon the failure of another business, then, um, 
you know, you, you need to look inward instead of outward. <laughs> yeah, there's some deeper problems going on. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, last time you were on the show, we didn't do this, but we've been doing it now with all of our guests, so you have to go through it as well. We're going to okay. go through a series of questions, kind of like rapid fire style, unless... I'm judging one of your answers. Maybe we'll stop and talk about it, but uh, we'll go through it all. Give me the quickest answer you can. First one, favorite movement or exercise? Deadlift. Easy. Hands down. I thought you were going to say power clean. Oh, oh no, no, it's, it's, it's a conventional deadlift, not this uh, sumo garbage. Yes. Sumo bullshit. (laughs) Uh, Favorite CrossFit workout. Nate, Nate, the hero workout. You know, that's mine too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. There we yeah, go. Man, that was, uh, I think that was the first workout I was able to do as prescribed. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. mix of uh, modalities to be your first RX workout. Yeah. Right. I, it's just, you know, I was, I was a lot younger then a lot fitter. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite food? Ooh, favorite food. Yeah, I know it's supposed to be rapid fire, but shit. It's all right. Um, I think right now I'd have to say... Don't cop out and say a genre either. It needs to be an actual food. You can't say okay. like barbecue. All right. Well, then I'm going to keep this super simple and just and just say dates. I'm eating a hell of a lot what? of dates these days. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you ate that shit when we lived together, and I thought it was just <laughs> some weird phase you were in. <laughs> No man, dates are dates are great, and you know what? I mean, you know, I'm a I'm a bit of a baker, so I've been I've been using dates a lot this summer, building some uh, raw paleo treats. So. Okay, yeah. and didn't didn't you eat dates wrapped in bacon when we were in New Jersey? I feel like that was one of your things. Absolutely, absolutely, little little savory, little sweet. Hell yeah! I, I think I'm allergic to dates. Did I tell you about this? I ate a fucking. <laughs> rx bar when i lived in florida and i never eat rx bars i ate one instantly my mouth started swelling up like not anaphylaxis but my mouth started swelling up i felt nauseous i puked within 10 minutes i had to go like go over to urgent care and that's the only thing in rx bars that i don't eat on a daily basis so i'm just assuming (laughs) that's what it was man wow i haven't heard of anyone who's allergic to dates you might be the one I don't know. I got all kinds of weird stuff going on with food right now, but that's another topic. So <laughs> moving on, what about a uh, favorite beer or wine if you drink at all? Ooh, you know what? I have not had a drink in probably, oh gosh, it's probably been about four or five years. Really? Yeah. 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 I just, I uh, just, just stopped. I don't yeah. know. No, no, no particular reason. Just. So literally the last time you had a drink was probably when we were in New Jersey. Maybe uh, just close. after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no. oh my God. What is this, 2020? No, I, right when I moved out to California this here the second time, 2015 was probably the last. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What about a favorite movie? Mm, mm. Well, all time, Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, solid pick. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me see what I got next here. Uh, favorite TV show? Currently on a big time Friends kick. Hell yeah! You got yeah, HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, it's Amazon Prime. Yeah, Friends it's on, is it's on, on Amazon there. Prime. 
Yeah, yeah, it's there. And since these are uh, unprecedented times, the 90s were the last time that I think everything was good. So it <laughs> feels, feels good to watch Friends. We're uh, we're also watching Friends. We started a little while ago working our way through. I think we're on, we're just about to get into season nine. Oh, yeah? So we're we're getting there. Rachel just had her baby. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, you're deep. You're deep into it. Oh yeah. Um, I think we're we're in like season two right now. Oh yeah, it's fu- yeah. it's funny all the way through. Like season one through ten, it's fucking hilarious every episode. Incredibly rewatchable. Anytime oh, yeah. it's on. Yeah. I love looking at their outfits, dude. If I wore clothes that big, you would think I had an eating disorder. Absolutely, man. I saw an episode the other day, and I think it was Chandler who walked in in this t-shirt. And I just thought, man, a that t-shirt is a hundred percent cotton. <laughs> who wears a hundred percent cotton t-shirts anymore? Peasant. And two, it's like an XXL. Oh yeah, I look at their suits, and I just think, holy shit, what were you doing? <laughs> like, did you guys not know what tailors were? Was it just not appropriate to wear tight clothes? It yeah, is... you just. I think in the 90s, the number one fashion goal was to look like a rectangle. <laughs> hey, and that's carried through with those fucking gilded shirts that are 100% cotton. Those still make you look like a rectangle. Yep. Yeah. That's why I don't wear them. Oh, my. That's awesome. All right. Uh, what superhero would you be? Uh, the Hulk. Oh, that's a really yeah. good one. I've never had anybody give me that answer. <laughs> that is solid. Yeah. I always say Wolverine. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you no, can't beat Hulk it. He's invincible. His bones are made out of steel, and he's got claws. That's true. And that's, you know, I, I, I probably would have gone Wolverine, but I'm also angry all the time. So <laughs> the, the Hulk fits. Now, if you were the Hulk, would like when you expanded into the Hulk, would your tattoos expand as well, like proportionally, or would they just get stretched out as shit and look terrible? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a fictional universe, so they're going to expand proportionally. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the right answer. All right. Now we're getting into some would you rathers. Would you rather wear sweatpants the rest of your life or never be able to wear sweatpants again? Let's uh, also apply this to shorts because everyone keeps copying oh, out. Oh, would see. you rather wear athletic shorts every day or never be able to wear athletic shorts again? Well, I do wear athletic shorts every day, so obviously that's the one. Yeah, I agree. But everyone keeps copping out, and they're like, well, I don't wear sweats. I wear shorts year-round, or I like to wear sweatshirts and shorts. All right, That's what I was going to say, too, man, because back in the day when we were working in New Jersey, we were wearing shorts in the snow. No, that was you. I am a normal human. I wear sweatpants <laughs> when it's cold out. All right, fine. You're one of those guys that I look at in January in the Northeast and think, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like it's 30 degrees out and you've got sneakers and shorts on. I, I remember shoveling out my truck in shorts in, in front of our old place in Jersey. That makes a, that makes total sense. I don't doubt it at all. All right. Would you rather have all your shirts be two sizes too big or one size too small? Well, in honor of the nineties, too big. I'd rather them too big than too small. I mean, imagine though, that's you in a 2X. That well, is a know, big man. shirt. And I know, but you know, <laughs> we just, we just talked about this before we got on and, and you know, my, my torso is probably only about 
12 inches long. So I need to, I need to create the illusion that I'm appropriately proportioned. Oh, okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. (laughs) All right. Next one. Would you rather wrestle a bear or an alligator and why give a little justification? The only chance of survival you have in that scenario is to wrestle the alligator. That's it. And why, why? Well, because I mean, you can, you can get on its back. You could potentially grab its mouth. A bear, there, there are multiple options for doom when you wrestle a bear. <laughs> that can end badly several different ways. I feel like, you know, an alligator isn't as nimble, isn't as athletic as a bear. Yeah, but that and, alligator uh, gets you in the water, you're fucking done. Well, yeah, but you asked what I'd rather, <laughs> which I'd rather saying, wrestle. Like, if, if you're in their element, that alligator is going to crush you. Well, That's the best true. answer That's I've true. ever gotten to that one was Spencer Hendel. I'm like, hey, Spence, would you rather wrestle a bear or an alligator? And all he did, he looked at me and he goes, dude, have you not seen The Revenant? I would wrestle the <laughs> alligator. Because <laughs> you know that scene where that grizzly bear just jacks him up. That's, I mean, look, the stories of bear attacks are so much worse <laughs> than the stories of alligator attacks. Because... I mean, you can wrestle a bear and be mauled to just before death, but still be alive. And who wants that? At least with the alligator, I'm getting pulled underwater. I have a slightly better chance, but the opportunity for uh, for just uh, death and the elimination of my suffering <laughs> is, is, a, is a lot better than wrestling a bear. Okay, that's fair. All right, next. Would you rather drink coffee or never be able to drink coffee? again so only or never only or never well, that would be never uh in that case yeah yeah are already. you a coffee snob i can't remember oh negative i'm not i'm i'm the opposite of a coffee snob i am oh this coffee's on sale this should work <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel better i'm the same way i don't care what it is I just literally need the caffeine. I don't even really like coffee. I just need to drink it as like to get from negative to zero. Yeah. And then I'm good to go. Exactly. All right. Would you rather be able to change one thing in your past or have a real get out of jail free card? Man. Well, I guess it depends on what the follow-up question is going to be. I'll say I'd rather be able to change one thing about my past. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather be able to listen to the same song every day for the rest of your life or only be able to watch the same movie every single day for the rest of your life? Man, I am, I am too much of an audiophile to, uh, to stick myself to one song forever. So I'd rather watch the movie. Same. I don't think I could do the same song. I would lose it. Yeah. All right. Last one. Would you rather remember every conversation you have or everything that you read? Ooh, every conversation. Oh, every conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I said mean, the opposite. Just... Oh yeah. Well, I just feel like I already don't remember half the conversations I have, so <laughs> like I may as well just keep learning and reading books and remembering that shit. That's true. That's true. But think, you know, in, in throughout your day to day, your you know interactions with your your boss, your significant other, think of the amount of winning arguments you'd be able to present if you remembered everything that was said. 
That's actually a good point. <laughs> but think about how many arguments I could win if I remembered everything <laughs> I read. Also true. Also true. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's a win-win question. Sounds like it, but I'm still going with every conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so now that we're done with that, we can get into our actual topic for today, which... Uh, you and I have talked about getting on here and, and speaking on all of this. And uh, now I think the dust has finally settled and it's a good time to kind of go over it all and really figure out where we're at now. So what we're talking about is everything that's gone on and all the chaos surrounding CrossFit and surrounding the entire debacle at HQ. And so what I thought we could do is go through quickly so we don't spend all day on it the timeline of the events and what happened in case anyone listening isn't privy to all the details and then we can kind of figure out where we're at and what you and i think is going to happen not only with crossfit but with fitness as an industry moving forward yeah there's a lot a lot that's happened in the last uh month and a half for sure yeah especially that first week of june so you know if we look at this timeline and i'm not going to read every single bullet we have here but it all started really on June 5th, and then I don't think it came to light until the 6th. But on June 5th, there was the email to Alyssa Rosie. Is that how you say your last name? Uh, I think so, yeah. So if it's not, I apologize. But yeah. Alyssa Rosie, nine-year affiliate owner at uh, Rocket CrossFit, which I think now is called Rocket Community Fitness. And it was basically an interaction with Glassman, Greg Glassman, founder of CrossFit, and uh, extremely negative. Glassman called her delusional, questioned her mental health. Uh, claimed she was trying to label HQ as racist. And uh, he essentially said, that's all bullshit. And the email's out there. You can read it. It's posted on the Morning Chalk Up and various other sites. And uh, if you read the email, Alyssa's initial inquiry or her initial letter was very well written. I don't know if you read it, but super eloquent, very concise, very professional um, she had worked with, you know, HQ in the past and the response on his end, I just didn't see how that was even a logical and definitely not appropriate response. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think her, uh, I think her original email was, it was certainly thorough. Um, and it made uh, a few, a few valid points, uh, along the way. You know his his response. I mean, on, on the one hand, it's uh, you know I think I, I don't want to you know sit here and defend Glassman. Uh, you know I can understand as a former owner of of, of a company of a gym how uh, you know receiving or hearing feedback of that kind can be. Um, misinterpreted or twisted or just make you feel bad. Um, but it in no way um, necessitated or warranted the level of response that uh, that classman gave, which, you know, was unprofessional to put it politely. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where, of course, it's going to probably hurt you emotionally to read those things about your company and what other people are thinking about it. But holy shit, you need to, you can process all that and then you can respond and, and you can say very similar things in a completely yeah. different tone and be way more professional and have a lot more yeah. tact. And it's just, it's almost like one of those things you think 
he just typed out immediately what came out of his brain upon reading it. And instead of hitting delete, he just hit send. Yeah, it was a bold move, uh, <laughs> a bold and, and wildly inappropriate move. So that um, happened on June 5th. And then on June 6th, Glassman tweets out, it's Floyd 19, quote unquote. And that tweet was in a response to the Institutes of Health Metrics and Education, which I've never even heard of that organization. But it's probably just one of those uh, organizations that Glassman trolls and, and probably just attacks like in the usual CrossFit way. And uh, that was in response to a post that they had put up that said racism is a public health issue. And that's really when everything started to tumble out of control. Because I think on that same day is when the email became public or went viral. And so you had the email plus this Floyd 19. And that just led to the chaos that ensued for the next 10 to 14 days. Yeah. Yeah. That, that fan flames for a lot of people. Um, I'd actually seen that first and then the email. I was uh, the same response way. Second. Yeah. Uh, even though I think they, they happened just opposite each other mm-hmm. uh, in, in real time. But yeah, I mean, it's again, in and of itself, uh, tone deaf, yeah. uh, inappropriate um, part of the um, sort of the, the, the Glassman gotcha method where, uh, or, or the, the conf- confrontation oriented, uh, position that is, is part of who he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're being honest, it's part of what created a lot of the brand success that CrossFit has had over the years. Um, and over the years was certainly warranted in some cases, the NSCA being a prime example, but, uh, in this case it was, not appropriate, not right. warranted, um, and uh, and ill-timed to say the least. Yeah, it was just one of those things where, when I read it, kind of what you just explained immediately, I just thought that's Glassman. You know, of everything yeah. I've followed for the last whatever it's been eight years of CrossFit, like I read that and I thought that's Greg Glassman, and actually I thought this might just blow over because everybody knows that that's just how he is. And But it's like you said, it was tone deaf, it was insensitive, it was inappropriate. But knowing his responses in the past and the way he's approached situations, I really thought this might just blow right over. Everyone knows that he likes to agitate people, he likes to be aggressive, he likes to be confrontational. But obviously that was clearly not the case, and this became the catalyst to what happened in the next few days, which was over 400 gyms publicly stating that they're going to de-affiliate. You had over 50 sponsors and associated brands pull their partnerships or publicly condemn CrossFit. And we're not talking the smaller brands like Rogue. We're, we're talking about Rogue, Reebok, Noble, Fit Aid, some of the biggest sponsors of the CrossFit Games and just supporters of the brand and the methodology in general. And then on June 8th, you had probably what was the most surprising, at least in my opinion, event of Nicole Carroll, director of training at CrossFit, resigning, who has been there for, I think it's almost 16 years, and really someone I think most people consider to be like in Glassman's quote-unquote circle. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to the to the tweet itself, it's just, it's, it's an arena right now, social media space specifically, where... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to 
well, you, you can't say anything without it being noticed, number one. Uh, and number two, if you, you know, if you are going to put yourself out there, um, you know, you have to be, have to be ready for what's coming back. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me at the time that these big brands were, uh, pulling away from CrossFit. It somewhat surprised me that, uh, that a lot of affiliates were, were deaffiliating at least, you know, before waiting to see what was happening, but that's part of the era that we live in. It's an outrage oriented culture. And, and, and in this case, you know, I think the outrage was, was largely war warranted. Um, but you know, I, I still think patience is, is, is probably, uh, a, a better measure though the pressures that the community and the brands put on, uh, Glassman obviously worked and I'm glad that they did. Yeah, um, I'm glad that they did for CrossFit because I mean, you know, I, I love CrossFit. We love CrossFit. Uh, and so for that brand to, to disintegrate and ultimately disappear would have been the worst, the worst outcome for everyone. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, it, I was, I was shocked when I saw that uh, Nicole Carroll had, had resigned. Um, as she later said, it wasn't any one thing. Uh, it wasn't you know, necessarily just this Floyd 19 or the email to the former affiliate owner. Um, and, uh, you know, I trust, I trust her judgment, um, as much as, as anyone I've ever worked with or worked for. Um, she was obviously someone I worked for years ago when I was on seminar staff. Um, and, and to see that and, and some of the notable names, uh, you know, other HQ employees, Pat Sherwood, um, you know, deaffiliate. I mean, these, these were, to me, anyway, having been a part of the community for so long, these were the, the most important markers. Yeah. I remember pretty much exactly what you just said. When I saw Sherwood come out and say that he was going to de-affiliate, who is, by the way, still an employee of CrossFit HQ at the time, and still is now. But when he came out and said Lynchpin was going to de-affiliate, and when Nicole came out and said she was resigning, and when Froning put his video out there, that's when I started thinking, holy shit, this is way bigger than some people getting outraged over an extremely inappropriate tweet or response to a tweet. Like this is, yeah. this is extending beyond the racism issue and the bigotry issue and into like, there is something severely wrong inside HQ, like inside that core nucleus or else these people wouldn't be, wouldn't be bailing. Like, you know, you don't just leave a position like Nicole's and maybe you do to make change and to take that action. But it just seemed also like, wow, this must be a serious, serious situation. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, I, and I, I know nothing of the internal workings of, of CrossFit HQ. Um, I've, I've been to the facility in Scotts Valley once maybe. Um, but you know, you don't have to go far to get a feel for elements of the organizational culture. Um, even just some of the public positions that, that the company has taken in the past. Um, and so it, it was surprising, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm sure I felt in my own way very similarly. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think of, you know, renouncing my, uh, my affiliate or, or my credential, not, not by a long shot. It's in fact, my CrossFit career 
um, you know, other than other than my marriage, I don't know if there's anything I'm I'm more proud of in my life than than my coaching career, which has obviously been almost an exclusively CrossFit. Um, but you know, I, I think for for some in the community who did decide to uh, pull back, uh, let's say at least pull back at the time. Uh, similar to Nicole Carroll, it, it wasn't just this. Uh, you know, CrossFit as an organization has tended to be very confrontational over the years, uh, you know, whether that's externally or, or internally. Um, there are many and, and honestly, probably too many examples of, uh, of trainers, of affiliates, of organizations being excommunicated uh, for, for one reason or another. Um, maybe some of those were warranted, but I, I bet upon reflection that many of them, um, were not, uh, you know, certainly as a brand who, who back in the early two thousands, anyway, identified themselves as an open source, uh, an, an open source community and an open source methodology. Uh, and then, you know, the other side of that being, it's it's positions with organizations like the NSCA or or Big Soda. So this confrontation oriented stance, this um, you know sort of shut down posture that that tended to exist uh, over the Glassman era uh, is it's tiring and it, it wears on you. It's it's certainly worn on me uh, over the years. Yeah, um, and. It's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to face that confrontation uh, regularly. It's tough to be afraid of the potential ramifications. If you have an opinion that even, you know, tangentially diverges from, from the, the same position at, at corporate. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it, it didn't surprise me when, when all this, um, Went, went down. I think that's probably the, for the third time I've said that. Yeah. I, and what I told a lot of folks who asked me about it, uh, was what we had just explained, what you had just elaborated on. It wasn't just this one thing. And I think a lot of people were already on the fence. I think a lot of people were approaching their affiliation renewal. I think a lot of people were fed up with everything that was occurring to that point. I think a lot of the bigger gyms out there that have created their own brand, were considering going their own direction anyway because they were self-sustaining. And this was the opportunity to take a stand as well as move into the lane that they had ultimately been planning to go into anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think that's um, absolutely a factor. I think that also over the last what is it now? Probably, probably two years since they first made the uh, changes to the games format in. Well, I think that was eighteen. I thought it was. Uh, well, the games format, yeah, and then the big changes within the HQ and within the brand itself and the methodology being, I think it was January 1, 2020? Is that when the website changed and all that? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, it was twenty twenty nineteen. Yeah, and you know. I, I mean, we, those of us who've been a part of the community for 
a long time have uh, have have benefited in many ways from the decision making at at HQ and their defense of of the industry and of, and of trainers specifically going back to uh, probably the late two thousands and an issue of licensure in in several states um, uh, and most recently is a similar outcome on the nutrition side uh, of things. But, you know, when you're sort of subject to the whims of an organization, or in this case of one person, um, to, to be exposed to that continually over time. And then within the last couple of years to have really significant brand changes i mean it, you know wholesale changes in the way the brand is is or was hoping to be identified that came through the games uh format uh, evolving uh, it came from you know changes to the crossfit website the discontinuation of social media uh by hq on facebook and instagram for an extended period of time which was a large source of organic marketing for, for many affiliates, a lot, a large source of exposure. And so, you know, I think the community during this time felt some of that anyway, felt, felt some of this, well, well, shit guys, like, you know, we're, we're, we're bought in, we're all into CrossFit. We love this community. We love what it's done for us, what it does for our members. Uh, but we want to say in this as well. And then to have, to have Glassman unfortunately go out and, and represent himself in the way he did was, was just, you know, the, the, that was a bridge too far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could probably just go back and forth on that same thing here the whole time. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think we're both on the same page and I think everyone, like you said, who's been in the space for a long time would agree with that as well. And I think that you mentioned a good point too, in that there were a lot of great things that, Glassman did for trainers, for these micro gyms, for the industry as a whole. And it's in a way, it's kind of sad that those are being overshadowed by this incredibly unfortunate and ill-timed and inappropriate event because, and uh, Stu Brower talks about this quite a bit, you know, Glassman really gave an entire group of people and trainers the opportunity to open facilities and create a career for themselves where previously it was impossible or you had to have an extreme amount of capital to do so. Whereas, you know, the level one changed all of that. Now you can take your level one, you can open up an affiliate at the time. Industrial space was incredibly cheap for square footage and you could create a business off of what he had created. So there were definitely positives, like you had mentioned. It's just at this point, those are overshadowed by the rash decisions, the lack of communication, and then ultimately everything that we just discussed with the tweets and the emails, et cetera. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the industry, I think uh, these, these brands, um, these uh, affiliates, uh, you know, the industry at large, needs to be really honest with themselves uh, in, in, in a time like this um, and understand that CrossFit and Greg Glassman created the space for the fitness industry to exist in the way it does today. And I've, I've said this for years. I hope at some point there's an economist out there somewhere who can, can figure out exactly how 
CrossFit has influenced the fitness and, and the nutrition space. Because prior to CrossFit, you know, whether it's functional fitness gyms or a paleo lifestyle or, uh, you know, fit aid or shoe companies, the fact that I can go into target right now and buy a set of parallettes, I can buy a set of parallettes at target. That is because of CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, CrossFit has CrossFit fundamentally changed the fitness and training space for the better. Uh, and, and, now that these changes have have happened within HQ, I I hope uh, more than anything else within this industry that it can continue to influence and influence the industry and, and the, these individual communities in that way. Yeah, and I agree, and we're going to get into that later as well of what needs to happen in order to make that a reality. So up until this point, we're at like June 8th on the timeline, right? Everything that has occurred with the email, the tweet, the responses from the affiliates, the brands. Then on June 9th, it comes out that Glassman is resigning from his position as CEO. And that Dave Castro, who previous was co-director of training and director of the CrossFit Games, is going to be the new CEO. And that really, at least in my opinion, that announcement wasn't taken in a good way by anybody. I think it was really something that they thought was going to help the situation. And ultimately everyone kind of denied that action in a way or denounced it. Yeah. And I think it's unfortunate for Dave. Uh, oh yeah. Especially, um, you know, uh, D Dave Castro, again, someone who I worked for, uh, for those few years I was on seminar staff. I mean, you know, it, it, I think you can make the argument that Dave Castro is, is as synonymous with CrossFit as Greg Glassman, mm -hmm. um, you know, to say nothing of him being a minority, um, being, being a person of color. And I think that, you know, his leadership would have been excellent. Um, I, I really do. I, I don't, I, I know Dave cares very deeply about, about CrossFit. Um, I think that's evident um, in anywhere you look, but unfortunately, uh, you know, given his proximity to, to, to Greg Glassman, uh, possibly it wasn't received as well as it, as it could have, or even uh, maybe should have been. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing, you know, I think CrossFit and maybe Dave himself buys into it a little bit has kind of taken on this, you know, like the bad guy role in a way being kind of that, that figure in the company and that's all great. But you know, when he, when he does speak on podcasts and at the games and in situations where it's not a spectacle per se, but he's just addressing individuals in small groups, I think you're right. I think the leadership is there and I think the pat, obviously the passion is there and it really does. It's really disappointing to see, like you had mentioned that announcement come out and no one appreciating the fact that Dave being, you know, what is, is Dave Mexican? Is that correct? I, I, I believe he's Mexican. -American. I don't want to speak incorrectly, but like, yeah, I neither do I, but not I being so. a white individual being promoted to that role. And there was really no recognition of that whatsoever, especially in the current climate that we live in. And there was no recognition of the fact that he earned that position and would be an appropriate, an appropriate individual to take on that role. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, the, the difference between his uh, public persona at times versus um, his, his private persona. And I haven't had many personal interactions with him by any means, but the few that I have, I, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, it's, I, I don't know. Uh, he, he was warm and kind and thoughtful and friendly. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe that's just a side of him that the community at large hadn't seen uh, compared to open announcements and, yeah. and, you know, games, games announcements, things like that, uh, which is, which is a shame uh, because uh, again, I really believe he, he would have done an excellent job. Yeah. And I think in the short time that he was in that role, and we'll get it back to the timeline here in just a second, but in the short time he was there, he did take action and do things that Greg would have never done or that would have been highly unlikely, right? The letters to the affiliates, the open communications, the uh, affiliate representative program, and just really trying to be more proactive in his position and make those necessary changes. And he also really didn't get any credit for any of that either. And again, it's just kind of a shame that his quick actions and his decisiveness and his leadership just didn't get acknowledged due to the fact that Greg still owned a hundred percent of the company. Yeah, that was, that was going to be impossible for people to look beyond and in an, in a, in a social climate, in an era right now where, you know, uh, many people for many different reasons feel like their voices is, is marginalized. If, if even heard, um, at all, uh, even, you know, their political vote in some cases, the next opportunity is to, vote with your wallet. And I think, you know, that, that is obviously what, uh, or maybe not obviously, but that, that, that was, a, I think, a major contributing factor to Glassman ultimately selling the company was, you know, and, and this was happening at the affiliate level, as you know, we were talking about earlier, my wife coaches and, and manages a local CrossFit gym. And, and she had a, a few members who didn't want to pay membership to her gym because they didn't want to contribute to CrossFit's coffers, um, which I understand. I, I think it's, you know, it's far more nuanced than that, but uh, it, it wasn't Glassman's ownership wasn't something that anyone was going to be able to outrun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it wouldn't have matter what change occurred. It wasn't, it wasn't Dave's fault. They could have put anybody in that position, but like you said, his ownership was the entire root of the problem after all this had occurred. I mean, I don't I don't think people cared who was CEO, but they didn't want him to have sole, well, I don't think any ownership, but definitely not sole ownership of the company. And that kind of gets into, you know, during this time when everybody's speaking out and athletes are, you know, uh, boycotting the games and affiliates are, de more affiliates are coming forward and saying they're going to de-affiliate. Then there was this 10-year affiliate owner panel, which Rich Froning, Chris Spieler, Pat Sherwood, Annie Sakamoto, some pretty big names were in on this. And I think they sat down for, I think it was almost two hours on a Zoom call. And really just this, to summarize the entire message was that, like we had mentioned before with Nicole Carroll, it wasn't just the tweet. It wasn't just the email. It was, you know, death by a thousand cuts or the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and then they each presented what they thought should be really the, the solution to moving forward and, and 
rekindling the brand. And there were a couple different uh, opinions there, but one thing that was consistent across the board was that Glassman could not be in ownership in any way. You know, Rich said maybe the affiliate should take the ownership. Uh, there were some other folks who said we should create a board of directors. But the one thing that was consistent was that he cannot be associated with the company or any have any financial gain from the company moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that was, uh, it, it was necessary. I mean, it, it, and not just in, in hindsight uh, as a good thing to do. I think everybody knew at the time, if not immediately when Davis announced the CEO that that was, that was great, but it was only, it was only part of the deal. And like, you know, like you said, death by a thousand cuts and some of the things that we you know talked about earlier today, um, you know, the, the, all in the face of an enormous amount of pressure that, that affiliates were already feeling because of COVID and the shutdown and, um, and the affiliate model is, is great, but you know, as a business, it doesn't offer you any protections. And I'm not saying that it should, it's you just pay the license use of the name. I mean, you're left to handle your brand or your, your operation on your own um, to then, you know, do that while struggling amidst what's happening in the world um, it, it, then compounded by Glassman, there was no, no other direction, but out for him. Yeah. A hundred percent. Ashley and I spoke about that a lot. Like there, it wasn't going to stop until that change was made. And between June 11, when that affiliate panel happened and ultimately on June 24th, when the announcement was made that Greg sold the company, just when you thought the dust was somewhat settling and there was going to be action taken and the company would likely change hands, but that was going to kind of be the end of it and, and moving on to the next chapter. Andy Stumpf comes out on his podcast, which I think is called cleared hot, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he shares his story and states that Glassman fostered this sexist culture at HQ that, um, that he spoke inappropriately and had inappropriate actions around a lot of the women and the females on staff. And that, you know, Andy really spoke in generalities, but insisted that if CrossFit HQ wanted to sit down, he would present the evidence that he had the specifics needed to take this to another level. And then he urged female staff members to speak out that had been in those situations. And, I knew from the moment I listened to that podcast that was going to explode because yeah. I mean, it was, it's just, just a, number one, it's a sensitive topic. And number two, like we had already said, there was sort of that confrontation type type vibe within the HQ community and within, and with Glassman. And then to have this on the back of that, you knew the games athletes, the females were going to hop on board, especially and the men as well. But you knew this was going to become way bigger than this podcast, which eventually did become an article in the New York Times in which 12 or 13 different employees came forward and spoke against Glassman and against corporate. Which was, it was only a matter of time. I think when, when Andy Stump put that podcast out, it was, you know, for me, it was such a, a strange couple of days because he released that podcast on a Friday uh, and then it just kind of fell off and we went through the weekend and almost I believe the entirety of the following week before 
the article in the New York Times came out. I think it came out the following Saturday. Um, and, and in that time when there was a, a pretty profound silence, I, I wondered, um, not, not if what Andy was saying was, was true. I, I, I think I believed that immediately. Um, and as did a lot of people, but what the, what the follow-up would be. And if, you know, and that, I think really raised the question of, of Glassman's ownership, you know, because for a while, at least in my mind, I wondered if there was going to be any response, um, from, from CrossFit on this and, and there still hasn't been, um, I, which I don't, um, you know, really expect there to be at this point, given the legality of, of a lot of this, but, um, it, I, I'm, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, the situations that uh, Andy Stump describes. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I'm glad that CrossFit dealt with it and Glassman has sold. Unfortunately, I think that conversation needed to happen to force the final issue. No, yeah, I agree. I think that was the final push to really set everything else into, into action. And you know, ultimately, a few days later, it was announced, Dave announced that CrossFit was to be sold to Eric Rosa. Um, and at the time, I don't think, unless you were in the Boulder community, you probably didn't know who the hell Eric Rosa was. Uh, I certainly didn't. And Dave kind of gave you an introduction to who Eric was and, and his background and what his general intentions were with, with the company. And Part of the background he gave was, you know, Rosa was a 10-year affiliate owner. He was an extremely successful entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, he knows how to run a business and a very lucrative business at that. I mean, he sold his company, Data Logics, in 2014 for $2.1 billion. And so, like, this dude knows how to build and run a, an effective business. And the fact that he owns an affiliate and is an active part of that community definitely lends to you know, a lot of favor within the affiliates and within the community itself. And, uh, I did some additional research on him and read some of those other articles. He actually was a part, a chairman of true coach. And so he's had his hand in a couple different avenues of, of fitness and especially the tech side of things. And now, I mean, he's obviously the, the new owner of CrossFit HQ. Yeah. And I, I, I still don't, to, to be honest, I still don't exactly know how to feel about that. Um, and more so because I don't know him. Uh, and many, many people don't other than what we've been able to, to find out about him online. And the community is, is still reeling, still in pain from, from what happened in June. But by all accounts, he has the chops to do the job. And he has the experience on the ground to understand the, the, um, the experience of the average CrossFit stakeholder, which is the affiliate owner, um, you know, which is, it is not to take away from garage athletes. I'm, I'm one of those, uh, but the affiliates make up this community and 15,000 or 13,500, whatever the number is, is now is, um, an enormous presence and an enormous amount of people, both at the affiliate ownership level and at the level of the individual members of those communities. 
there's uh, there's an experience that uh, you have as an affiliate owner where the value of of the company and of the methodology uh, is is probably I don't I don't know if there's a set of circumstances that can create that level of appreciation or understanding for for CrossFit and a CrossFit brand. So I really think that his affiliate ownership uh, is his biggest asset that he can relate to the community and to his stakeholders on that level. And, and I think that is ultimately, I hope ultimately that that's the position that uh, CrossFit can take with regard to the affiliates is not only that they're affiliates, not only that they're paying a fee for licensing, but that, you know, these are boots on the ground for, for the brand uh, and folks who have invested their lives, uh, not just day to day by coming in for, for their workout, but you know, they've, they've invested their, their lives, their futures, their children's futures in this brand. Um, and so to have someone who understands that, even if, you know, I, I don't know, he's obviously a, a very wealthy man, but um, whereas a lot of affiliate, affiliate owners aren't, or at least not as wealthy as, as he is. At least not um, 2.1 billion wealthy. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I think, I think it's his, his most important asset, and I really hope it's one that he leverages, and by all accounts, seems to be already. Uh, the CrossFit Affiliates Instagram has been hotter than ever. They're posting like crazy, um, and we're, we're seeing pictures of the community pop up on CrossFit's uh, individual Instagram. We're seeing pictures inside of Affiliates show up on the email of the day again, and, you know, so the focus is, is returning there, returning to kind of an old school place. And that seems to be the kind of, the kind of man that uh, Eric Rosa is, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, you, you might agree or, or just uh, agree with the feeling anyway here that when he came on and did his YouTube live and Dave introed him and he later talked about his friend time, when was the last time we talked about franchise? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been 10 years, maybe. Yep. That was a, a staple of the community, benchmark workouts, Franz specifically. It was almost, it was jarring, almost shocking to hear this, to hear Fran be reintroduced yep. in this, in this setting right now. Like, Oh, okay. We're, we're talking about Fran again. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking, which is in my mind, we're now we're talking about CrossFit. Again. Yeah. No, I think that's funny you brought that up because I, I kind of thought the same thing and I was a little bit shocked and then my immediate thought went to if you joined a CrossFit affiliate or just got involved in the community in any way in the last two years, you probably don't even know what Fran is. Yeah. You And maybe even the last like three or four years, you probably heard him say that and thought, what the hell is he talking about? Because that, I mean, that whole vibe really did fade away, especially in the last two years. But even in the more recent years of like those benchmarks weren't being talked about, people weren't logging their scores and, and that entire, like, I don't want to say competitive aspect, but the camaraderie and uh, just like the community that was built around that raw grassroots feel has definitely faded over the years. And it's, it's I think, you know, the most important asset that, that you have as an affiliate owner is those sorts of, uh, again, again, I'll use the word organic uh, opportunities to, uh, 
communicate the CrossFit message and experience the message in the gym. Uh, you know, benchmark workouts, CrossFit methodology, eat, eat some vegetables, nuts and seeds. I mean, these things that, that we found years ago, it's felt to me anyway, in the last couple of years, as you just said that, um, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have that. The culture has changed or maybe it's receded significantly. Um, so, so yeah, to have, to have him come on right away and start talking about Fran was, you know, maybe not the first message he could have delivered, but it was as someone who's been around for a little bit, I was, um, I, I was satisfied. Yeah. No, and I think, like you said, affiliates are still reeling. They're still recovering. They're still trying to decide what they're going to do. But I think all in all, it was received as well as it could be. And obviously, you know, Nicole Carroll spoke out and said she was going to come back. And so she's buying into Eric Rosa and his direction or what she knows of his direction thus far. Dave seemed to be in full support of him as well. And uh, that really sets us up for what would, what I want to dive into next being like what what do you think the future of CrossFit's going to look like? Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or you're here with us each and every week, we appreciate you guys so much and we want to thank you because without you, we could not do this each and every week. If you ever have any topics that you want us to cover, please send us a DM, shoot us a message on Facebook, send us an email, and let us know. We are more than happy to look into those topics and present those topics for you here on this platform. If you enjoy what you're listening to, please head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, leave a comment in there as well. That is how we gain more recognition, that's how we appear in the search results, and that's ultimately how we reach more people and change more lives through this platform. As always, guys, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you tuning in and we will see you next week.